I want to start this uh, sermon today with a question, and everybody falls into one of these two categories, so I expect everyone to participate, um, and raise your hand. So if you are 40 or over, I want you to raise your hand, 40 or over, all right? So now if you are under 40, raise your hand. I always said that I would never say something like this, but when I was a kid, things were different. Some of you are thinking, well, you still are a kid. Like, well, I'm a man-child like Seth, I think. I don't, I don't know. But when I was a kid, like, you could be sitting in the house watching, uh, watching TV, and you had, like, what, three channels, right? Like, for, for me growing up in, in Harrison, Ohio, it was 5, 9, and 12, and I was the remote. Like, go change the channel, boy. Like, you didn't, like, there wasn't, there wasn't anything there. But if you were sitting there, and you're watching TV, and there was a knock on the door, like, everybody went running. Like, and not to hide. Like, we don't really know who it was. Like, people would just stop in your house sometimes, just randomly, and knock on the door. And if it was dinner time, like, you'd invite them in and say, hey, come on, have, have a meal with us. And they'd say, oh, I don't want to impose. But they really did. Like, that's why they showed up at the time that they, they showed up, because <laughs> they wanted to, to oppose. And, and you would have a, a great visit, like, with them. And they would leave, and you'd say, well, like, Next time you're in town, stop by. But today, today if you're home and you are watching television on your 1.2 million channels that you have, and you hear a knock at the door, like, you tell everybody, hey, get down. <laughs> like, Aiden, hit the lights. Like, and, and you're trying to hide, like you're looking on your phone app to see who it is. Who's at my door? Like, today you just don't show up and surprise someone. You call and you say, hey, I was thinking about coming by. And I'm in your driveway, actually. But, but it's crazy to me like, how, how things have changed. And that got me to thinking about the, the church, specifically how it was back then. And not, not like when I was a kid. I mean, like back when, when Jesus started it. Because he started the church to change the world. Like that was, that was the plan. Like, like you're going to change the world. But, but I think... Instead of, of the church desiring to change the world any longer, like what's happened over the years, and, and I'm not picking on anybody or any particular church because I've done this myself, is what's happened over the years is, is the church has drifted into critiquing and condemning instead of changing. Like when, when Jesus from the very beginning started the church and he created this, this unique organization or, or organism because it's growing and and. and always expanding. Like he created it to change the world, but we've sat back and said, you know what, we're just going to critique and we're going to, to condemn. And I've been a part of that. But what I want for our church, literally, is I want our church to be, be a church and to be individuals that can literally step into our identity in Christ and be a part of the change that, that he's wanted from the very beginning. Instead of looking at the world and critiquing it and condemning it, I want us to be a church that's changing it. As we finish up this series called The Table, like what I want to do is I want to look at five characteristics of, of what I would call table people. Five characteristics of, of individuals and, and of as a church that can be agents of change in the world. And because I'm so creative, we're just going to use the acrostic of table because that's about all the creative as I get. So T, like T is going to stand for transparency. 
Transparency. You know, one of the things that, that I love is just how, how often Christians just get mad at stuff. Like, like we do, like we get mad. And, and usually I have a thing, like if a Christian gets mad about a book or a movie, like, and it's, a, it's all of the rage and churches are boycotting and banned, like what I do is I go buy the book or I go see the movie. Because it's usually pretty good. They only get mad at good stuff. Um, <laughs> you let that sink in. Um, but one of the things that, that Christian people get mad at all the time, every single year this happens, is Halloween. Every year, Christians get mad, you're worshiping the devil. Do, do you not know what that really means? Like, I see all of the thousands of posts on, and I'm like, we're not worshiping the devil. Like, they're dressed up like a princess. Like, holy moly. Like, when we get mad over all of these things. And then I begin to think, you know what? Like, we're mad over it. But I've witnessed Halloween every single Sunday that, I, that I've been going to church because we dress up like somebody that we're not and we show up and to pretend, to pretend to be somebody that we're not. Every single Sunday, like that happens. And, and I know why. Because one of the things that we're scared of in the church is this thing called Transparency. We're afraid to walk in and say, hey, how was your week? We're afraid to say, you know what? I had a bad week. I had a panic attack this week. Or, you know what? I drank too much this week. Or, you know, I took some pills that I shouldn't have taken this week. Or, or we're afraid to say, you know what? I looked at some things maybe online that I shouldn't have looked at this week. We're afraid to say those things because we think and we know actually that if we're transparent, what's going to happen is it's going to get us kicked out. And all of us have seen or experienced that in a religious setting. Like, like all of us. Like it either happened to you or it happened to somebody that, that, that you know. Or when you admit that you're not okay or you admit that, that something's going wrong, what happens is the church wants to send you away till you get okay and once you get okay, you can come on back to us and be a part of us. And I just think it ought to be something different than that. I don't think that's what Jesus intended when he started the church. And I think if we would actually get under transparency instead of being scared of it, we would step out of slavery and into freedom. We talked about this last week with a guy named Peter. Peter goes out and he's fishing all night long and he didn't catch anything. And Jesus says, hey, let me use your boat. And he uses his boat. And after he's done teaching, he says, hey, throw your nets out on this other side for a catch. And they catch all of these, all of these fish. I got summed up last week's sermon in eight seconds. <laughs> it took me 30 minutes last week. But when Peter saw what happened, do you, do you remember what his response was if you were here? He said, oh, Lord, leave me. I'm such a sinful person. Peter got transparent. Peter's transparency is what actually launched him into, into his ministry. He said, I'm a sinful person. I, I, I'm, I'm a wreck. And Jesus said, you know what? Someone that's broken, someone that is that, that, that is been through some stuff. I can use people like that. And Jesus didn't go to the, to the temple and, and, and talk with the Pharisees because they didn't realize how sinful they were. They didn't realize they had a problem. They just said, you know what, Jesus, we're okay. We're, we're, we're pretty good. We, we've got it all together. But the guy that said, hey, I'm so sinful, get away from me, Jesus said, you know what? I'm gonna use you to build my church. On the day of Pentecost, you're gonna be the one that preaches. 
Because you know what it's like to be sinful. You know what it's like to be broken. You know what it's like to have received grace and mercy and forgiveness. I want to use you. There's a guy named David in, in the Old Testament. Talk about a guy that, that had a sin problem. Like this dude, oh my goodness. Like the Bible writes over and over about his sin. Like we've all got sins and we can read them all on Facebook. That's great. But like the Bible is actually writing about David's sin. And this is what David says in Psalm 32, three through five. He said, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Did you know that, that sin can have an effect on us physically? Like, like it, can, it can cause damage to us physically. He said, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. He said, my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. And he says, finally, I confessed all of my sin to you. And by the way, confession is not information to God. It's not like coming to God with this list, hey, God, I did this and I did that and I did this, and God's going, you did? I can't believe you did that. No, he knows. Confession is very simple. Like when we agree with, with God that what we did was sinful and wrong. Like that's what confession is. Confession is agreeing with God that what we did was outside of his will, outside of his plan, outside of his, his desire for us. He says, when I confessed all of my sins to you and I stopped trying to hide my guilt, he said, I said, um, uh, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and what happened? He forgave me. All my guilt is gone. How freeing would that be? But it only happens if we're transparent. And we confess our sins to God, listen, and, and to other people. Now, I'm not saying go, go tell everybody. You go out to lunch today after the service and, hey, can I take your order? Hey, I just need you to know that I looked at some naked people online this week. And like, okay, like what are they going to do with that? Can I get your fries with that? Like, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm not saying tell everybody, but there needs to be a group of, of people that we confess to. And there needs to be a group of people that you can be, be accountable to. Like, because it really is okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. Because God wants something better for you. God wants something more for you. Transparency. Uh, the, the letter A, it stands for available. Uh, available. Um, now, once again, we're going back to the, the people over 40 and under 40 group. Over 40, how many of you remember a time when you had only like one phone in your house? Yeah, like, like I remember like the rotary dial even. Like anybody, can you still remember like your very first landline phone number? Like I do, like 513-367-4066. Like don't try to call that number today. I have no idea what it means today. But, but that's how it was. Like, and, and I remember like when the phone rang, like I had two brothers, like everybody was running to the phone to try to answer it because you didn't have caller ID then. You didn't know who it was. It was before telemarketers were, were ringing your phone every 15 minutes. Like, so, so we would go and fight over answering the phone. They'd be like, oh, it's for me. I'm like, dang it. And then when you got the second phone in your house, you'd sneak off into the other room and you'd pick it up real quietly and try to listen to what was going on. <laughs> Get off the phone. Like, I don't have it. Like, and then a few years later, like the, the pager came out. Now, I was never cool enough to have a pager, uh, but my wife was. Like, she had a pager. Like, and we'd be driving somewhere, and that little pager would go off. and be like, oh, we got to find a phone right now. And I'm like, 
I don't like, you're going to go into a phone booth and like change? Like, I don't even have phone booths anymore. But then, like, they came up with the cell phone. Or, or that. Like, we have these devices. And, and you're like, have you ever been talking to someone and, like, you're having this face-to-face conversation with them and their device starts going off and, like, oh, I'm sorry, hang on. My prescription's done. Like, I need to go get that. Or, like, oh, hey, um, did you hear they found more classified documents somewhere? Like, who cares? Like, we're, we're trying to have this conversation. Like, you ever been there and you're like, would you just put that thing down and listen to me? And, and I'm not picking on it because this is like me. And then it's funny, like, we'll, we'll put our phone on vibrate and we'll set it down on the table because we're having a conversation, then it starts vibrating and we get anxious. And our hand's like, Like, and we can't, like, we are so available to everybody. What if we were as available, uh, as available to Jesus as we are to our devices? And I'm not saying this to put guilt on anybody, like, because I'm in this category. I'm as convicted of this as, as anybody in the room. And now some people would say, why in the world would I be available to Jesus because I have no ability? Here's the good news. He's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. If you will make yourself available to him, he will make you able to do whatever he's called you to do. And we've got examples of this time after time in the scripture. Moses, hey, God says, hey, you're going to lead my people on out of Egypt. He says, I can't. I'm not able. I can't speak. God says, I don't care about that. Are you available? If you're available, I'll make you able. Gideon. Gideon says, hey, like, who am I? Like, I am the, the least of, of this tribe, and my tribe's even the least of all of the people, and I am, like, I am worthless. And God says, hey, but are, but are you available? I think of Isaiah. Like, Isaiah has this great uh, opportunity. Like, he's in the, the temple. He gets to see the, the presence of, of God. Like, and it just kind of ruins him. He says, God, kind of like Peter did, he said, man, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'm a man of, from unclean people. Like, just, just get away from me. And then it says this in, in Isaiah 6, 8. It says, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. I wonder today if anyone would have the, the courage to say that prayer to God. Here I am. Send me. I just, I just want to be available. God, for, for whatever you want, I just want to be available. And there's a lot of us who are kind of like, here's part of me. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? How long am I going to have to do it for? Like, when does this thing end? But no, no, no. Surrender is saying, God, here I am, whatever you want from me. Wherever you want me to go, however long it takes me to, to, to get there, here I am. Those kind of people, transparent, available people, those are the kind of people that change the world. And the third one is this, is, is become. It is become. Now, now I want you to hear this. Christianity is not about what we're doing. 
It's about who we are becoming. I know a lot of people who do a lot of stuff, but they're not becoming any more like Jesus. I mean, have you met those people? Like, let's, let's just be honest. It's about to get real in here. I know people that'll read their Bible for an hour a day. They're, they're journaling, they're memorizing scripture, they're at church every week. But you get them outside of their little Bible huddle and they are a jerk to everybody on the planet. People have asked me, how can you tell if someone's becoming like Jesus? It's very easy. Jesus said this in, in, in John chapter 13. He said, people will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. So we can read all the Bible verses we want. We can commit it all to scripture if we want. But if we treat other people like they're pieces of garbage, that's not like Christ. That's not what he's called the church to be. So my goal is for us as individuals in the church is simply to become more like Jesus. Step by step, day by day, simply becoming more like Jesus. Not following a bunch of rules and rituals and, and regulations. It is becoming more like Jesus. And how do we do that? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you a rule and a regulation. No, I'm kidding. I'm not. But, but I love this in Mark chapter 1, verse 35 through 39. It says this, before daybreak uh, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. I just, we want to become more like Jesus. I think we ought to probably follow his example. So Jesus had a specific time set aside to, to intentionally focus on God. And we have to have that in our life at some point. Like whatever that is. Some people it's prayer. Some people it's, it's reading the Bible. Some people it'll be listening to, to worship music. Like it doesn't matter really, but we have to have this intentionally set time and I don't know how much time. Like, I love the fact that Mark didn't say Jesus was out there for an hour, because if he did, we would have made that a rule and a regulation. We would, we would have made it a way that we could look down on other people because they didn't, didn't do it. But he just says he was out there. I don't know if it was five minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, 10 hours. Like, I don't know. But there has to be an intentional set time for us to connect with Jesus. It says this later, Simon and others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Because everybody had a plan for Jesus. Did you know that everybody has a plan for your life as well? But Jesus was focused and intentional. And I love the way he sounds. But Jesus replied, we must go to other towns as well. And I will preach to them too. Because this is why I came. So, so he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. He had a renewed focus and understood what God wanted him to do because he spent intentional, focused time with God. We become more like Jesus and we begin to love the world more when we spend intentional, focused time with God. That's how we become people who change the world. The, the letter L stands for limitations. Let, letting go of our limitations. Two of them in there. Like, there are too many people in this room and you limit yourselves. Like, I want to do this. How many of you are right-handed? Again, everybody falls in this category, so everybody's got to play. What about left-handed? 
All right, so I want you to take whatever, whatever hand you are, right hand or left hand, I want you to just hold your fist out and I want you to make a fist and squeeze it as tight as you can. Now squeeze it tighter. Squeeze it tighter. See what just happened? I told you to make a fist and squeeze it as tight as you can. And many of you thought you'd done that. And then I challenged you to squeeze it tighter and you did it. And then I challenged you to squeeze it even tighter and you did it again. But if you would have stopped at the first squeeze, you would have limited yourself. So many of us are limited. And you're limited by what other people say you can do. You're limited by what other people say you cannot do. Can I just tell you from experience, like when I came to Ken Mundy, I was told by other preachers in the area that Ken Mundy Church will never grow. Like I was, I had one, one preacher told me that I wouldn't take that job at Ken Mundy for $10,000 a week because those people are so mean. I'm just honest. Like this is what they told me. I mean, there's no way you can do that. If I let other people tell me what we could or could not do here, like we would not be reaching 1,000 people every week in the room and online. There would not be people tuning in on cable television every week to see what's going on in Ken Mundy, Illinois. If I would have listened to what other people said, you know what? We would, we'd be running 60 or 80 people here, not, not reaching anybody, not having an impact in the community, not feeding uh, 30 people meals every single day of the week, Monday through Friday, not sending home 50 action packs a week and taking care of some of the kids in the community. We wouldn't be doing any of that. But I'm not going to allow what other people say or what other people think to limit the potential that God has placed in me. And I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back or so you pat me on the back. I'm saying that if God can do that with an idiot kid from Harrison, Ohio, then God can do it through you. Like at the end of the day, like nobody else gets to define me. God gets to define me. God gets to tell me what I'm supposed to do and, and how we're supposed to do it. And we're going to keep on going and we're going to keep on pushing and we're going to keep on reaching people. I remember having conversations with Kyle in, in 2019. We were sitting up in, in my office up there and, and I knew Jeremy was leaving as our worship leader. And I said, man, hey, listen, you're going to have to step up and be our worship guy. He said, there's no way I can do that. He was limiting himself. I've, I've never done that. He said, I've never even sang in front of people really before. But listen, when he put those limitations aside and said, you know what? If God says this is what I should do, and if you trust that I can do that, like I'll be on stage and I'll do the very best that I can. And look at now, like just a few years later, he is one of the most incredible worship leaders in the entire area. Like I would put him up against any worship leader I know. And, and not only... Listen, and not only is he great on stage, like the things that he does behind the scenes, leading his team and preparing them, like, they, like we never see any of that, but he's an incredible leader and a spiritual guide for them. Because he was willing to say, you know what, I'm gonna let go of some of these limitations and I'm gonna step into what God has for me. For some of you, that's what you need to do. You need to let go of the limitations because you have no idea what you're capable of doing in Christ. And I want to prove it to you. I love this. This is what Paul says in, in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. He, he's talking to a church in, in Ephesus. And he says this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. 
I think if we just understood the incredible greatness of God's power, we'd be way ahead in the game. But Paul says, hey, it's available to us. He said, the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So Jesus is seated at God's right hand. Same power that raised him out of the dead, that raised him from the dead, put him at the right hand of God. Like, so let's go through this logically. Is Jesus above all things, yes or no? Yes. Is Jesus all powerful, yes or no? Does Jesus have all authority, yes or no? Is Jesus lacking for anything, yes or no? No. Look at what Paul says in the very next chapter about those who are in Christ. In Ephesians 2, 6, he says this, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ. And he seated us where? With him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. If all that's true of Jesus and we are seated with him, then what limits us from experiencing our full potential in Christ? The answer is very simple. We limit ourselves. We let other people define us rather than letting Jesus define us. We've let our past define us. We've let our past tell us, you know what, you don't have a future. But in Christ, listen, the things that you're scared of are under your feet. The only limiting factor on what we can do in Christ is in our own minds. And I will not let anybody place a label on me because they didn't die for me, they didn't redeem me, they didn't pay for my sin, and if they didn't do those things, they don't get to define me. And they don't get to define you either. Let go of your limitations, which leads to the last one is, is expectation. Expectation. I think sometimes in the church, the problem is that we don't, uh, we don't expect great things to happen. But I want KCC to, to, to be a church where you pull into the parking lot and you're like, hey man, God's gonna save somebody today. God's gonna, God's gonna set somebody free today. God's gonna heal somebody today. God's gonna redeem somebody today. God's gonna put a relationship back today. And not just that, but when, I, when you pull in the parking lot, I want you to say, you know what? God's gonna do a work in me today. Like I expect God's going to change me today. I expect God's gonna make me more and more like Christ today. Like we're gonna have some, some expectation of what God's gonna do. Like God's gonna open up some doors for me today. I love this. Jesus is talking to a church in the, in the book of Revelation. It's the, the church of Philadelphia. And it's in Revelation chapter three, verse seven. It says this. It says, this is the message from the one who is holy and true. The one who has the key of David. And then I love this. It says, what he opens, no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. What he opens, no one can close. So let's say you're having a conversation with Jesus. You're sitting at a table with him. And he starts with this, the very next verse. He says, I know all the things you do and. That could be a scary verse, couldn't it? Because we've all done some things in our life that, that, that we know we shouldn't have, right? We've all done some things in that season, in that time, in that, in that fit of rage. We're like, man, I hope nobody finds out about that one. In fact, if, if the person sitting next to you knew everything you did, they probably wouldn't even be sitting next to you. 
But Jesus looks at you and says, I know all the things you do. And. We think, man, I'm going to be punished for this, aren't I? Like, here it comes. I know all the things you do and, like, I'm about to expose you to the world. I know all the things you do and, and I'm so disappointed in you. But listen, that's not what he says. He says this. He says, I know all the things that you do. He says, I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny it. He says, you know what? I know, I know about the addiction. I know about the habit. I know about the, the, the season. I know about that thing. I know, I know, I know. And here's what he said, I've opened the door for you. Like there's an open door for you. And because God's opened it, he just said the verse before, he said, no one's gonna close it. No no one has the ability to close that door. So what if we just kind of walked around expecting that God is opening doors for us? Instead of thinking about how, how bad we are and how sinful we are and all of the bad things that I've done, like we walk around thinking, and there's a song and I love it, but, but that such a worm as I, we all going to say, I'm such a worm. No, you're not. No, you're not. Like Jesus died for you and he opened up a door for you no matter what you've done or where you've been and he already knows it. He says, I've opened up a door for you. What if we walked around with that expectation that there's gonna be doors open? What if we walked around with the expectation, you know what, I'm not going to be punished for my sin, but it's going to be forgiven because what Jesus did on the cross for me. What if we walked around with the expectation that God wants greater things for our lives than we could ever ask or imagining? Listen, he's opening up a door for you today. For some of you, it'll be for for baptism, to to accept Christ for, for the very first time to have your your sins forgiven, guilt and and shame gone, and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. For some of you, it's to throw off those limitations. You've been limiting yourself for, for way too long. And for all of us, it's an opportunity to become more like Christ. He's opening the door. I'm gonna ask you to stand And I'm gonna pray, and my prayer is that you would just pray that prayer that Isaiah prayed. Here I am, Lord, send me. Like, I I am available, God, to whatever you want. Father God, today, as we stand before you, God, knowing, expecting that you are opening up doors for us. Father, I pray you'd give us the courage and the boldness to walk through that door. Maybe today it's baptism, maybe today it's, Uh, throwing off some limitations. Maybe today it's just focused time to become more like Christ. Father, I pray for all of us in the room that we would take whatever step you'd have us to take through that door that you've opened that no one can close. And it's the name of Jesus I pray, amen.